Lucky you, you've come to church on Stewardship Sunday. For this red-letter day in the church calendar, I've chosen a, a story from late in Jesus' life. This comes to us from the Gospel according to St. Luke, starting at chapter 20, verse 45. In the hearing of all the people, Jesus said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and take the best seats in the synagogue and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive their condemnation. And Jesus looked up and saw rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they have given out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has given everything she had. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this little vignette from the life of Jesus comes from very late in Luke's little Jesus biography. It probably happens on Tuesday of what we would become Holy Week. And so Jesus probably has three days to live. And he spends the whole last week of his life spinning his rustic little yarns outside the temple entrance for anybody who will listen. And as he sits there teaching all week long, he watches the faithful tossing their weekly offering envelopes into the receptacles standing outside the temple entrance. They're shaped like trumpets with a broad bowl at the top standing on top of a long, thin neck. You can think of them as ancient offering plates. Some of the well-heeled and the first century equivalents of Ralph Lauren suits from Neiman Marcus and Jimmy Choo's from Saks drop in fat wads of cash. And then an old woman in a Walmart woolen shirt shuffles past and throws in two small bronze coins. Luke calls them leptons. And if you know anything about quantum theory, you know that in today's world, a lepton is an infinitesimal elementary particle smaller than which it is presently impossible to conceive. You need the Large Hadron Collider in Geneva to see them, if seeing them is the right way to talk about it. And molecular scientists call leptons leptons because in Jesus' day, they were the smallest coins in currency. So Luke calls them leptons, and Mark says that two of them are equal to the Roman coin quadron. And you can hear from that what it means. A quadron is a quarter, one-fourth. Two leptons is two bits, a quarter. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and says, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has given more than all the rest, for they have given out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has given everything she has. No further comment. The sermon is called All of Me and All of Us. One thing we learn from this story from the life of Jesus is that true Christian charity requires total commitment. She didn't give much, but it was all she had. 
when those two bits clattered down the brass neck of that trumpet-shaped receptacle, there was nothing left. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't expect that from her. What was the look on his face when he watched her total commitment? Was it admiration? Was it astonishment? Perhaps a little grief. You remember how this passage begins? Beware of the scribes who love to walk around in long robes and have the places of honor at banquets. They have devoured widows' houses. They have received their condemnation. Jesus, you see, didn't want this woman's last quarter. He was always on the watch for religious hucksters who'd lay the spiritual guilt on so deep that widows would have to part with their last lunch money. When he saw that widow give her last quarter up on his face were looks of awe and compassion, but also perhaps a little disappointment. All this by way of saying, if you're hurting, don't give us your last quarter. The rest of us will carry you along until you're back on your feet. In every church I've served, including this one, I've always been surprised by the huge generosity of people who give from modest means. Sometimes I want to give it back. That's the last time I'll ever say this, but it's true. Jesus doesn't want her last quarter, but he celebrates her gift nonetheless because it's so beautiful. What this story teaches us is that the meaning of your gift, the significance of your gift, the beauty of your gift has nothing to do with its size. It has everything to do with its cost. That is to say, what matters, it's what's left over after you give it. The less that's left over, the more beautiful the gift is. You ever given a large check to a deserving charity and then instantly regretted it? What in the world made me do that, you say to yourself? Maybe that's not such a bad thing. One day in my Grand Rapids church, I walked into the office of that congregation's Bev Lang. The business manager was a guy called Dan Nicely, one of my favorite names ever, Dan Nicely. Dan was from Clifton Forge, Virginia, a coal miner's son. Dan's dead now, and I miss him like crazy. Clifton Forge, Virginia. And Dan used to tell us at least once a week, never ask a man if he's Virginia, because if he is from Virginia, he won't be able to tell you because his mama told him not to brag, and if he's not from Virginia, you don't want to embarrass him. Dan had this booming bass voice that God long ago regretted having given away, and Dan loved to use it all the time. Dan was never at a loss for words. But one day I walked into his office, and Dan was sitting behind his de desk looking sort of stunned, and he was speechless, and I'd never seen this before. So I asked him what was the matter, and he was clutching a check in his right hand, and I thought maybe it was one of these huge checks that he regularly received from my very generous congregation. Dan would frequently get six-figure checks and once in a while a seven-figure check. This happened in early December. On Thanksgiving Eve of that year, a guy had walked into Dan's office and dropped a check for $100,000 on his desk. There was only one condition. We couldn't tell anybody where it came from. This was in addition to the $10,000 this guy gave to the church every year. 
He ran a drug company in Kalamazoo or something. He said, I had a good year. I thought it was a check like that. But then Dan showed me the check. It was for $78.11. I wrote it down. I've always remembered it. $78.11. It was from Peter and Lilia Petrenko. Peter and Lilia were Russian Baptists who had been unwelcome in their former homeland, former Soviet Union, and so my church had helped them resettle in the United States. Peter was large and round and ruddy-cheeked, and Lilia wore flowered peasant dresses. When they arrived here, Peter found a job sweeping the floors at a factory. He'd been a beekeeper in Russia, but here he was sweeping the floors of a factory, and Lilia was running a sewing machine in the same place. And this check for $78.11 was Peter's first paycheck in America. Dan tried to give it back, but Peter refused. He said, God has been so good to me, I need to give this back to God. This church helped us find a new home. I want my first paycheck, my first fruits, to go to this church. It was all of him. Dare I give a gift that's less than all of me? Or all of us, right? This ministry takes all of me and it takes all of us. Now a lot of you are already giving all of you. A lot of you are giving all you can. So this year, if you're giving all you can, we're not going to ask for any more. If you're already giving a gift that you notice that hurts a little bit, don't give us any more. Well, you can. We'll probably take it. But. And this sermon is not for those of you who pledge every year $4,000, $10,000, $25,000 a year. You've already come through. I'll let Herb and Rhonda tell you the statistics in a moment. But We've already received 63, we need 600 pledges, but we've already received 63, and we're already one-third of our way to our goal. These people come through every year. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to the 300 or 400 families here who don't pledge anything to the church. They might sneak a $10 bill into the offering plate on Sunday when we're not looking, but they don't pledge anything. And I'm talking to them. And I'm saying, start small. You know, give us $1,000 a year. It's a $20 bill in the collection plate every Sunday. Start small. And then we'll be able to accomplish the ministry God's calling us to accomplish here in this little corner of the world. God has made us stewards over. Start small. $1,000 it's a place to start and the thing about giving is that once you start you can't quit it becomes a habit giving is addictive giving is like cocaine you gotta do it again and you gotta do it again with more and more and more and pretty soon before you know it you start acting a little like Jesus himself One last thing and then I'll quit. I'm going to tell you something I did in my last church, but you've got to promise not to tell anybody because it turned out to be a pretty lame idea. It seemed like a good idea at the time, but not really. So I did a wedding for a young woman at my Connecticut church, 
And at the reception after the ceremony, the father of the bride gave me a little envelope. And when I got home, I found a check for $600 in there. I thought that was a little bit extravagant. People shouldn't think they have to give me anything for doing something they already pay me to do. And $600 was way too much to pay me to do the thing I love most in all my job. It's the best thing I get to do all year, to marry your children to the loves of their lives. So I started thinking, what can I do with this $600 on behalf of the church? It felt like free money to me. It felt like a windfall serendipitous, money out of nowhere. And then it occurred to me, that's just what life is. Life is free gift. And so in my church, we did a children's sermon during the worship service on Sunday. Kids would sit through the early part of the service with their families, and then 10, 12, 15 minutes into the service, they'd come forward to the chancel and sit at the pastor's feet, and then they'd uh, leave for their Sunday school classes. And so this coming Sunday, it was my turn to do the children's sermon. So I wanted to teach them about gift, windfall, serendipity, God's extravagant goodness to us. We have so much, such an embarrassment of riches. And so I went to the bank and cashed my wedding check. And the teller asked me, so how do you want your cash, sir? Do you want it in $100 bills? I, saw, no, I said, no, I want it in $10 bills. She looks at me a little strange, and she starts counting out 60 $10 bills. I think she thought maybe I was going to buy a bunch of dime bags with them or something, but that's not what I wanted them for. What I wanted to do was to give each child that came forward for the children's sermon on Sunday a $10 bill because it's all gift and it all comes with no strings attached it's all free love family the earth it's all free and we can do with it whatever we want we can keep it we can save it we can tithe it we can give it away we can blow it on video games or a backpack full of bubble gum whatever we want i told the kids they could do whatever they wanted with their $10 bill. Sounds like a great idea, right? Not so much. You know, most Sundays we had about 40 kids come up for the children's sermon. All the shy kids stay in the pews with their parents. But when the shy kids, who usually stay in the pews with their parents, saw that there was free money in the children's sermon, they suddenly decided this is not such a bad thing, these children's sermon. So I had 70 kids up there. What am I going to do? 60 $10 bills, 70 children. A few tears, not too many, but a few. But this is why I'm telling you this. One of our families has this beautiful daughter. I don't know. I think she was seven years old at the time. Let's call her Gracie because that's what she was, pure grace. Gracie was one of the lucky ones. She got her $10 bill. But another little child in her Sunday school class was crying because she didn't get one. And so Gracie, you know, if you come to Sunday school every Sunday, year after year after year, pretty soon you'll learn something. So Gracie turns to her friend and she says, Here, Sarah, you can have mine. I have one just like it at home. Yes? So write a check. You have another 
just like it at home. You can do with that whatever you want, but include within your towering generosity this church because it takes all of me and it takes all of us and we serve the Lord who gave all there was to give in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen.